I've made my mark in my community by being an example of what is possible when you're young and Black. Jabril Fresh Jallo, owner of the Get Fresh Company. A tenacious and unorthodox entrepreneur that selflessly in every move keeps his community at bay while carving a path for those that will follow him. On this podcast, Jabril shares his humble beginnings and how he used adversity to ignite his flame. Growing up, I always wanted to see more people who looked like me that were successful. Can I afford to take a risk to follow my dreams? We are excited to bring you the Make Your Mark podcast hosted by philanthropist Kim Niles. The Make Your Mark podcast allows you to hear personal stories of resilience by professionals and public figures of color. Our guests unapologetically share their triumphs, lessons learned, and how they found balance in their experiences. Tune in to equip yourself with strategies and coping mechanisms on how to boldly make your mark. Subscribe and listen now. When I was young, I was broke, I wanted to have some money to do all the fly things. Yeah, we all got that. <laughs> yeah. And um, I started buying and selling clothes. So I would just sell it out. Well, before I had a car, I would just sell it out of my locker at school. I literally put it on. We had like a uniform school, but I'd put it on underneath the uniform and then I'd like take the uniform off and wear it in between walking the classes and like kind of like model it. Uh, and everybody would be like, yo, what is that? I'm like, oh, I got it for sale. So that was the beginning of the hustle from there. I um, I always bought and sold clothes. I bought and sold CDs, DVDs, manufactured my own DVDs. Um, just kind of was always in that buying and selling spirit. From there, I kept going there and then I went to Remix Project. Um, great project for youth in Toronto from like marginalized situations, help you out, there's different programs. So I, I signed up with their, their whole thing is they'll set you up with mentors. I ended up working with these, these duo girls called Bossy Girls, they're wardrobe stylists. I never wanted to be a stylist, but I was like, the opportunity was there. So I was like, let me try it. I did that for about six to seven months. We did music videos, photo shoots, commercials, short films, like we've done a bunch of things. And then after I did that internship there, I ended up doing work by myself. Um, same thing, I've done all types of music videos, photo shoots, all that. From there, I wanted to get, I stopped selling clothes at that time. And then from there, I wanted to get back into it. So one of the times when I was doing a video for Belly in Las Vegas years ago, I'd never been to LA and I heard they have the biggest fashion district. So I left the shoot and I went to LA by myself for the first time. Funny thing about it, went there, uh, met up with a friend that I had over there and he had a really good connection on these sample hats. I bought a bunch of these sample hats. They had like Supreme, Diamond Supply, like all the brands that were big back then. Some of them are still big now. So I bought about 5,000 hats and I brought them to Toronto in luggage. Wow. And I was like, I'm going to do a pop-up shop. But when I did the pop-up shop, it wasn't called pop-up shop, really a thing that was happening yet. So in my head, I was, I'm going to find a place to rent out. So I promoted that for about three months. We did that at Spadina in Richmond, um, the old name, rest in peace. Um, and we brought about, 
I'd say we probably brought about 10,000 kids over the course of three days. It was crazy. And I remember when we started to set up, it was empty. And I was like, I don't even know how this is going to do. Is it going to do well? Are people going to come? Do people care? And literally 20 minutes before we were about to open, there was a little a lineup. Maybe like four or 500 kids down the street. Yeah, it was insane. And I've never seen. This is before like the Jordan lineups and like the Supreme. Like I've never seen this in my life. So it was mine. So that gave me my first taste of retail out of a storefront. Um, so from there, I tried to open a store, like a concept space with a couple of my friends. It didn't work out. We had really bad issues with the landlord. Um, I moved to, I didn't move to Atlanta, but I went to Atlanta for like a month just to kind of like hang out and clear my head. I got a phone call by a gentleman who owned a store and was like, look, I heard you're opening a store. I don't know where you are with it, but why don't we just work together at this store? That store was called Proper Reserve. I ended up coming back from Atlanta the next day to go and meet with me. He was like, okay, I'm going to get two racks in the store and you can do like a little get fresh shopping shop. So that's how that started. That went on for about a year. And then I ended up taking over the whole space and turning the whole store into get fresh. It was called something else before. It was called Proper Reserve. But when I was a kid, when I was like 15 years old, I used to literally tell every girl I used to talk to and all my boys, I'm like, I'm have a store one day. And every single person was like, okay, bro. I was just looking for a way to get on because you know Toronto back then isn't really what Toronto is now so it was really hard to make any so I was like for me I was like I always wanted a store so I was able to leverage all those things and turn it into that I just like when I went to remixer like you need to find a set of mentors and then my boy Addy was like you should work with these girls they do wardrobe styling and I was like I don't want to and he's like he's like my OG I like listen to him he's just like yo just try it out so I tried it out I had a blast I met right. a lot of people learned a lot it was great I got to like do a lot of really cool things. Right. I did. We did like the TD commercials. We did that Belly and Snoop Dogg video RT. I got to develop a relationship with a lot of big directors in the city. It was good. A lot of it wasn't actually going off track. It was actually on track. I just didn't know at that moment of time. So um, I was lucky to have boys that were kind of on the same page. They they didn't want stores, but they had their own dreams and aspirations. But it kind of all meshed together. So we used to throw events. We do event about every three months. We did this event called Guys and Dolls. We worked with Brazen Hussey. There was a female clothing line back in the day. And we did like a live fashion show in the middle of a party. We built a life-size Barbie box. <laughs> and then the model was ent would enter through here and then like walk through the Barbie box. But um, so we did a lot of events. That was like one of our main things. We've done events with like when Drake first started bubbling on the scene. Him and one of my partners, Photo Will, we put together an event for the launch of... Lost in the Wilderness was a blog that belonged to Photo Well. And I think it was Drake's. I, either he just got signed or I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was an epic moment in Toronto. It was like when he had the Phantom and he like at the party pulled out a bottle of Ace of Spades. That was like the first time you ever seen a bottle of Ace of Spades in Toronto. It was a special moment. But events, buying and selling, the styling, and just always trying to put myself in spaces where I could work. That's definitely what brought me to where I'm at today. I mean, I'm a type of person where I know my position. So wherever I'm at, it's like, I'm gonna be in control of my position. So I never felt like I didn't have control. Mm -hmm. Maybe I didn't have control over the whole, like over everything, mm -hmm. but I definitely had control of what I had to do because I made sure I was the best at what I had to do. I mean, I've been told no for a very long mm -hmm. time in my life. You know, my mom always told me, she goes, she'd come home after a long day when she was looking for a job and she'd be like, you know, I'd knock. You just knock on the door and you knock on the door and you knock on the door and they shut the door in your face, but you just got to keep going because every no brings you closer to a yes. That was like something my mom told me when I was like six.
the first thing that I let me know, I'd say I've been traveling. This is the 10th year that I've been on a plane. Is that Toronto is a very special and amazing city. We're a very young city and we're about to blossom to something phenomenal, better than any other city in the world. Wow. But going back from that, it let me show, it showed me what our city was missing. It showed me the other opportunities that are out there for especially people who, um, it just taught me different lifestyles, different food, different types of fun, like different energy. Like the energy, like traveling is like to me the the best thing you get is energy. You just take that energy from that city and bring it back to yours. Honestly, about six, no, about eight years ago, I was on set with our director RT, and um, we were in this room. We were in the green room, and we I think it was lunch break. We were just hanging out talking and he was, I was like, yo, why do you stay here? Like, why do you stay in this city? Like, why don't you go to LA? Why don't you go to New York? Why don't you go to like, you know, one of these massive film cities? And he was like, you know what? If I leave, what happens to this camera guy, this lighting guy, this gaffer, the makeup artist, the wardrobe stylist, the catering service, what happens to all these things? If all of us, if everyone from this city who has talent and find some success and work here, just gets up and leaves all the time. What happens to everyone else? We never build an industry. So yeah. that kind of something that always stuck with me. I'm just like, I got to stay here because I want to be able to build this. I want to be able to build some type of structure in this city to have for younger people coming up and people my age or older. You're starting all over again. And that's like one of the biggest problems in Toronto. Where it's like, oh yeah, remember 10 years ago, there was that like, so-and-so and they built this up and it was crazy but then they made a lot of money and then they left you know what i mean it's like it becomes like this consistent thing so it's like now for someone else to get on they could never work at that place and learn from that place and develop and aspire to have something for themselves it's like we're always starting at ground zero so for me i was like you know what i don't want other people to start from ground zero i want to kind of like help build this blueprint in the city in terms of what we're doing Going into it, you're just like, I just wanted to sell clothes. Like, I don't even get why you're doing all these other things. But the store has been phenomenal for the team and I to, like, be able to, like, work our strengths in different lanes other than just selling clothing. I would say the city, being a business owner downtown Toronto for the past five going on six years, I'd say it's very different. I feel like five, six years ago, being a black man in a lot of different rooms, it was it's it's a little difficult. Um, there's no one in the room that looks like you not 10 out of 10 times. Um, so, you know, it's sometimes it's a bit uncomfortable, right. but I feel like in the last five to six years, Toronto's done a really good job of making the city more comfortable for minorities in workplaces. I feel like it's slowly changing. It hasn't changed completely, but I feel like they're adding more and more minorities to the mix. I mean, I've gone through my fair share of, of racism and my mother, has as well um my mom was very open with me as a kid she never like treated me as like an actual child so I mean I would know everything that was going on but when I was in grade six my mom got a job in Hamilton good job better pay better life so we moved to Hamilton in grade six and I hated it we were the only black people in the whole school and by the time I got when I was in middle school 
you would just feel it like in my cl- in my class you would like always know like okay cool you're the black guy in the room everyone's like oh you look like any famous black person that they know they could i like someone told me i look like whoopi goldberg they just take the resemblance of the skin and then um i remember one day someone pulled the fire alarm and they called me to the principal's office and there was no way in an all-white school i'm gonna pull the fire alarm i know better and the principal was in there like, all right, we're going to suspend you, but it's going to be an in-school suspension. I was like, I didn't pull the fire alarm. It's like, oh, well, a bunch of kids said you did. I didn't. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So they took my a desk from a uh, classroom and they put it in the main hallway of the school. So to switch to your next class, you'd have to pass this hallway. Right. So they put my desk right in this hallway, gave me a pen, gave me paper, and like, this is where you're going to work from. They had me on 30-day in-school suspension. So every single day, you'd get all these kids just staring at me, pointing, laughing, calling Mm -hmm. me N-word, all these things, all that. It was like hell. Wow. Yeah, it was like the worst thing ever. I get in fights with the hockey team all the time. It was like a nightmare. But I never told my mom because at the time, my sister was just born. She was born with a heart murmur. So there's already so much stress in my household. I was never trying to like add to that so i was just like whatever i'll just deal with it until one day i just i dropped out of school literally and like would run home and erase all the voice messages so my mom wouldn't know and then a couple weeks later i just told her like i haven't been going to school i can't go to school i get in fights every single day every day they're calling me the n-word every day they're just it's like literally i I just can't deal with it i don't know what i'm gonna do you know what i mean and literally a week later we packed up she quit her job and moved back to toronto Leaving that situation and, you know, growing up in that and having to deal with that. That was like a year and a half. Coming back to Toronto was obviously a breath of fresh air and it was good. But I always kind of just kept, not that like everybody was like that. Obviously, there was a few people on there and they, they didn't even really know how to deal with me. I feel like back then it's like they took whatever was marketed to them or whatever was told to them. And they were kind of just like, okay, this is how we need to treat this kid. We don't want this kid around any of these other kids polluting them or whatever. So I was just kind of like, I kind of like forgave that situation in my head. But other than that, I've always known that that can happen. And I've always known the higher up I've ever got in my career, I would see more and more little challenges. But I feel like it's gotten better. It's work in progress. I think it takes more positive, like more positive minorities to do better in their community mm-hmm. for the other side to be able to see and be like, okay, cool. They're not all like this. They're not right. all this way. Being Black. And like, if you go on TV, if you're flicking through your channel zero to 50 on cable, nine times out of 10, the black people you're gonna see anything in the entertainment or they're wanted for something, I would say. You know what I mean? Like you don't really see like a lot of positive messages about black people, or you're gonna see a bunch of black kids in Africa with flies, and can you help them? And like people watch that and see that every day, and like see like, oh, this is how these people are. That's like their knowledge. This is how these people are. So it kind of just already puts us in a box and people already have their thoughts on us. I love America just for the fact I can go there and see like executives that look like me on every level. On a, someone who owns the business, someone who has a high level position in that business and seeing a group of black people together in a group mm-hmm. that are all, they all have their eyes on the prize and they're all doing some really crazy corporate shit. They're like taking over. It's cool to see. When I go to America, I have a lot of friends. So it's like a lot of our conversations have to do with business. Like we just, that's just kind of like what our sport is. 
So yeah, definitely get mentorship on that level. Talk to people all the time and they always, you know, drop some gems, vice versa, drop some gems for them. On this side, I don't have as the luxury of having as many people to talk to um, that look like me. There's other people I talk to too, but people who look like me in powerful positions, there's not a lot, but me and all my friends, we all, we're always talking, we're always dropping gems, we're always trying to educate each other. I feel like our generation, the knowledge wasn't given to us, but this generation, there's no excuse. Everyone's got internet. Now, if you want to know something, you can literally just Google it. So I feel like it for us, it was different. A lot of us have, I mean, people still do have immigrant parents, but a lot of us come from like immigrant families who have no idea how it works on this side. They're just like, go to school, get a job, work, work, work. We need to do that. But I feel like this generation, it's like, it's not really an excuse as much. The resources are there. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to say that because I feel like a lot of people think like, oh, yeah, you know, it wasn't like they'll take that and use it as like a as a crutch. But no, you can literally just go on and figure I do it all the time. So with the company, our whole mentality is keep everything youthful, keep everything true to us. So none of us at the store really came from like rich families or like we all come from like immigrant parents and like we're the first ones here to like put it down. So we try to keep that same idea when it comes to everything we're doing. Like we were luckily blessed with doing a collaboration with the Raptors and my team who they do everything, but who was doing the video for it, the commercial for it, we were coming up with this idea and like, okay, who do we get in this commercial? So we were like, we're going to film it at the ACC on the basketball court. Who do we get to do it? We're like, oh, should we get models? Do we get this? Do we do that? We're like, nah, forget that. We're going to go and figure out who are all the top kids in the high school. And we're going to take them and put them in this Raptors Get Fresh commercial. So little things like that, like providing opportunities. Whenever an opportunity comes about, looking to our community to be like, okay, let's grab someone from our community. Let's put them in a position of power. Let's give them some shine for all the hard work they're putting in. Because there's not a lot of places for us to get that shine. So that's... Something like that we do. Um, I've went around and, and like grabbed the young kings in our community who do like parties, who do whatever things that we normally do. I've went around and kind of grabbed them and been like, look, this is what we're doing. I want you to be a part of this. If you're on the same page, let's work together. So I've, I do whatever I can to help them on their, in, on their, biz, in their business walked them in rooms that they normally wouldn't be walked into. So like, you know, I brought one of my guys into Remy Martin, got him signed by Remy Martin since we're already sponsored by them. I was like, look, this is my guy, Matt. This is what he can do. I think we should bring a situation to him. It's happened. Now it's elevated his events as well. So I always try to just grab people and, you know, whatever I've got, I'll let you have it. We'll work together and build from there. No risk, no reward. You don't take the risk. You'll never get the reward. It's just impossible. Looking to consolidate your debt? In the market to purchase your first home? Interested in acquiring an investment property? Look no further. More Freedom is here to serve you. We aim to furnish our clients with the power and the confidence over their finances and a sense of accomplishment of taking the first step to get there. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at I Want More Freedom. And you can always connect with us via our website at morefreedom.ca. I only really, like, I've always invested into myself just because 
I never lived a life that could have, like that a job could afford when I was younger. I have a little sister that's like my daughter that I've been taking care of for the last 10 years. I do I have a lot of expenses. So in my head, I was like, the only way I'm going to make enough money is to invest in products and sell them. You know what I mean? That was always my hustle. And then from there, I just started recently getting onto it. I was like, I need to get into stocks when that whole Bitcoin craze and everything happened. I never caught on to Bitcoin, but it turned a green light on for me to be like, people are making money out here from stocks. I have no idea what a stock is. So from then I started researching. I went to my bank, asked questions every single night. I'm on YouTube watching some like guy, the 50 best stocks and why you should do it and watching all these things I just never would even think of before. And I just educated myself on it and I just invested into it two years ago. And I'll say it's probably one of the best things I've ever done. And I've like, I literally come to work and force my team. All right, everybody open trading accounts. This is what we're going to do. Look at these stocks. I've done the research. So I'm always like pushing that. But I definitely say like investing is number one. That's like what it's about. Like literally make money, whether you have a job, whether you hustle, you have a job and you hustle, whatever, whatever your thing is, I would take that money, put it in something to make more money and then play with that profit. Do not play with the real. Your paycheck is a re-up. <laughs> Take that, flip that, and then play with the profit. Mm-hmm. Owning a business is great. <laughs> Stressful. A um, lot of sleepless nights. But I feel like obviously owning a, ship, owning a business is great. You get to provide other opportunities for more people, hire people, build an industry. But a lot of people are caught up and fixated with just like entrepreneurship and thinking like entrepreneurship's like, the only way you go on Instagram, everything is about be your own boss, own this. Yeah. Do you want to drive this Ferrari? You could be like me. Just <laughs> like, I yeah. get it. You know what I mean? It's not. You think you have all this crazy freedom. You have all that. It's great if you want to do it and you're built for it. But I would say like, when you think of ownership, I don't only think about owning a business. I think about owning your position. So if you are a graphic designer, if you work at McDonald's and you're a customer service rep, own that. Be the best at that. Protect that. Guard it. Don't let anyone come and take your job at any, like own anything you do. Whether you work out of the gym, own it, no matter what it is, own it. So that's what ownership means to me, not just like entrepreneurship. Cause I feel like the whole world right now, it's like, it's, it's, and I'm not saying like, don't do it, do it, but don't be pressured. Don't think, you know, you have to be part of what society's, the messaging that they're pushing right now. Like, have that job. Kill that job. Be that number one executive. Be the best in your realm of whatever you're doing. Own it. Employment taxes. Just dealing with employees, dealing with accounting, dealing with like everything falls on you. No one really puts that. They put like all the good stuff that comes from it. But like they're not there with you. You're not on the camera at 4 a.m. in the morning when you're pulling your hair out. Like, yo, this doesn't make any sense. I did all this all month and this is what's this. What's that? Why is this missing? Why is this happening? Why like... They're not putting like what it actually takes to get there. Everyone just makes it seem like it's like floating on a cloud. I mean, that's hard to do. So not floating on a cloud, but (laughs) our collection names are like very like, we don't have like your like normal fashion style collection name. Everything is like kind of like a state of mind of where we're at. So No Sleep for the Dealers was our fall winter collection. And the whole vibe behind that was just pretty much like, it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting with my team at the store. And we'll be literally like, there's no sleep for the dealers. Like, this is what we want to do. This is what we're trying to achieve. Like, we're trying to deal these clothing, to these clothes to the world and our dream out to the world. We got to do what we got to do. So I'm not saying don't sleep at all. It's more of just like whatever you're doing in your life, put your all forward towards that. 
You know what I mean? If you can spend, if you can go out till 3 a.m. in the 3 a.m. in the morning, 3 a.m. to club, make sure you can sit for 3 a.m. to do the work. I didn't, you know, it was very like, I kind of like tippy-toed around situations. I was super like passive. But then you realize you just can't afford that, you know? And I have like a really good team. We've built like a really strong relationship. We're friends as well. So it's like, if something's wrong, we keep like the lines open so we can communicate. 14 years ago, I was homeless. Um, I was at the lowest state I've ever been in my life. I was literally couch surfing. Like, yo, what time did your mom wake up to go to work? Can I sleep on the couch till three in the morning and I'll leave before that? Like, literally, I remember one night I slept in my boy's garage and got out before his dad went to work. So there was a period of my life where I was at, like, the lowest. I was the lowest point ever. Didn't have any money. I was literally 40 pounds lighter. Not by choice. Just I, I used to be literally go to Rava and, like, steal my lunch and steal my dinner. Like, that's at the point I was at. And at that point, I was just like, yo, I just can't live like this. My mom, the day my mom passed away, she worked overtime. My mom was on her way to get a doctor. She had me in between that period. She couldn't go finish school. She was a single parent living by herself in London, going to Western. So it's like, I feel like my mom, she sacrificed her life, her hard work, made sure we were always good. So there's no way I could be sitting down homeless, nothing to eat, not trying to figure it out. I need to step it up. Right. At that point, I just like. I went into this like super sane. <laughs> I turned into <laughs> oh, a beast. I, that, I yeah. was just like, yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. like no sleep for the dealers. Like I'm literally, I'm going to make sure I change this. I'm going to make sure every single thing that I wanted, everything that my mom wanted that she never be able to, what well, she was ever able to attain in her time on this earth. I made sure that I was going to get that. And I, then I got that childhood. I mm-hmm. sacrificed the regular things that like everyone was able to do, like going to the parties all the time, just hanging out all the time. I couldn't do that. I was working all the time. I'd wake up in the morning, first thing in the morning, and I'd work. After I finished one thing, I'd do another thing. After I'd done nothing, I would literally maybe have two, three hours where I'm like, all right, let me sit down and relax. And even when I'm trying to relax, I'm thinking about, okay, how am I gonna make more money tomorrow? And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. So I just literally, I opened my, my, my box up. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to think like this anymore. I'm just, there's no borders. There's no nothing. Like I moved to Mississauga year of the gun in Toronto when everyone died. I like, when all those people were dying, I got up, told my boy, I remember guys came to my neighborhood and shot up my whole neighborhood. And that day I told my boy, I'm like, yo, we're leaving. He's like, where are we going? We're moving to Mississauga. My boy's like, what? (laughs) I'm like, yo, we're either, if we stay here, you already know we're going to either die or we're gonna go to jail like that's what that summer was so in my head i was like i took a little money i have and literally searched for a basement apartment in mississauga so imagine this like 16 year old kid knocking on your door to meet you to like rent out your basement you're like who is this kid (laughs) so i had to learn how to put myself together and be able to come across tell this big story that my mom's in africa and she's gonna send me money and like i'm a student and like, you gotta do what you gotta uh-huh. do. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we're trying to figure it out. Well. And we and we figured it out. And we've been figuring it out since to, since mm-hmm. that day to now. My mom was like, our relationship was like, it wasn't like a regular mother and son relationship. We were just like friends. We were homies. And I didn't realize that until I got older and see how everyone else interacts with their parents. But she always gave me the gems from young. Mm-hmm. She always kind of like, 
this is what you got to do. This is going to happen to you. So when this happens to you, make sure like, I'd be like, mom, what are you talking about? I want to go watch a Martin Lawrence. Like, I don't want to like, you know what I mean? Like, but she just always, every morning, she was like that mom where she'd like hold my arms and like, look me in the eyes and like, listen to me. If this happens to you, I'm like, oh, God, it would be stressful. But, but as I got older, I was like, damn, my mom really was like, I get it. Like to this day, things will happen. I remember like from my mom told me like, this might happen to you one day. Right. We'll look out for this, watch out for that. So from there, just, I had to obviously take those skills and then just learn the hard way. Everything I've learned is the hard way. My whole life, I didn't go to school. I dropped out of high school in grade 10 and my whole life was school. I paid for school every single year with the mistakes that I made. Tired of being tired? Seeking to build your self-confidence? Are you feeling uncomfortable in your skin? It's time to move with Kim. Studies have shown that in this era of exponential growth of the metabolic syndrome and obesity, lifestyle modifications have been proven to be one of the most effective ways to improve your health and quality of life. Let's chat about you, your goals, and how we will get you there. Send your inquiries to hello at kimniles.com and let's start conditioning your mental and physical health today. Yes. So the journey of turning that into Get Fresh Company is taking that resilience. It definitely helped in the beginning. Um, it, it helps the whole way through. I applied the same mentality, just like the no sleep for the dealers. And I just always try to remember where I came from. So when we had the store, started it, I had no employees. <laughs> it was just myself. I would work all day. I would do inventory. I'd clean. When I'm done all that, I got to go. I would do accounting. I would do all, everything. Wow. While my boys are going to the club, they're going here, they're going there. I'm just like, oh my God, like I wish, like I could, but then who's going to do this? Right. And then just, I just, that hustle, like the hunger, like, you know, I'm nowhere near where I want to be for myself, for the business and for my team and what I see for us. I feel like there's a really bright future. So I just try to remember that every single day of where I come from. It's been good. It's important. Like self, self-reliance is everything. I think the one thing is like, as you start to do better and as you start to like, get out of your old situation and start getting into this better situation. You know, when you go broke for so long, when you haven't had things to eat, when you're like running from your landlord and trying to like, you know, trying to figure shit out and you finally figure it out. I think that's when it's the most important. Everyone feels like, Oh, you just work hard, work hard, work hard. And you got this. Oh my God, I got this. Like we're good. Right. That's the beginning. Right. <laughs> that is the beginning. Like that is the, like, now you just entered the race or you entered, you entered the league to get to the race. That's it. Mm-hmm. You just got in the door oh. and then you just got to maintain, right? Everything mm-hmm. in life, like whether it doesn't matter what it is, it could be like anything, you know, I want to get into the school. Oh my God, I got into the school. Okay, cool. Now you just, that's number one. Mm-hmm. Some people that you get into school. Okay. I'm in the school. I'm good. Now nah, you got to even work harder than you had to work to actually get into the school. So it was get fresh. It was Work, 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 bust my ass. Okay, we got in. Okay, how do we make this thing actually pop now? 
So that's where all that resilience and all that. Now I had to put, you know, new energy into everything and be able to get it to this point. I feel like your team, your team and being able to have like amazing people with like phenomenal ideas and always like, you know, I have a lot of really amazing creatives around me. So it's, they always bring new ideas up on ways like, you know, something you developed and they're bringing something to the table like, yo, this is what you developed. I want to do this for what you developed and make it even crazier and even cooler. So I feel like having a really good team around you definitely helps you still love everything that you've got going on. And just like the reaction from the people, you know, like someone like seeing someone on the street and someone be like, yo, you know how long I've had this t-shirt? <laughs> this is the best t-shirt I own. I've had this for four years. This is crazy. Like, you know, you, you love that. And then you get the kids who come up to you and they're like, yo, honor meeting you, love what you do. You're motivating, keep doing what you're doing. Like, I do this and, you know, I watch you, I follow you, do this. And like, you make it seem like it's possible. I was like, all right, cool. Wow. That keeps you loving the business. Even on the hardest days, like we'll have the worst day. Everything will go wrong. And at Get Fresh Company, I don't know what it is. When one thing, when it rains, it pours. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. But like through all that, at the end of the day, something beautiful will happen. And we'll all just look at each other and be like, yeah, like this is why we're here. So I'd say for anything that we've ever attained, I feel like when I was younger, I've heard about it or I've watched shows and I've seen like athletes get sponsors, people get sponsored. And I'm, in my head, I've like always had this checklist of different ways and different streams to like create opportunity. So whenever I got the store, I was like, okay, how do we figure out how to get sponsored? We're going to do events in here. And it wasn't like that was the end goal, but like one day I wanted to be able to do that bucket list. So we started doing events in the store and um, I'd say they were amazing <laughs> in the beginning. We, the re reason why we would do that is to bring everybody into shop because back then we didn't have anyone really coming. So, so we did that and we did about four or five of them. And then a gentleman named Christopher Powlett, amazing guy, love him. He, uh, he we actually had a barbershop in the store oh, wow. back in the day. We had a barbershop back uh, in the store back in the day. And he was in there getting cut and we were talking about drinking. And then he started talking about cognac. And then I remember I had a bottle of Duce. Jay-Z just came out with this cognac. I flew to New York to get it. And he was talking about it so much and he was so passionate about it. I'm like, yo, you know what? You never tried this, this liquor before? He's like, nah, I'm like, all right, cool. I went to my house, I lived across the street and I brought the bottle back and I gave it to him. And I was like, hold that like that's for you enjoy that tell me what it tastes like because i didn't even taste it yet but he was so passionate about it i was like you know what here's this guy came to my store we're having this conversation take it two weeks later we were doing an event he comes back with just cases dom perignon uh Vilf clico hennessy hennessy exo all this <laughs> stuff and just comes in and brings it down we're all like bro where'd you get this from he's like gives my card. He goes, oh, actually, I work for this company that represents LVMH. I'm like, wow. wow. So he kind of put us, he laid out that opportunity for us. Mm -hmm. So we started working with Hennessy, like LVMH at first. So every event that we did, everyone knew we'd put sponsored by Hennessy on our flyer, which was like, for me, it was major. I'm from, we used to buy the Hennessy bottles and drink them in the stairwells when we were younger. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So for now, all that money we spent on Hennessy back in the day, now they're giving it to us and working with us. It was amazing. So we started through that. And then Chris Powling upgraded in life, went to Remy Martin, 
And he was in a real position of power. And he was like, you know what? Put together a 12-month deck for me of what you guys want to do. Never done a deck in our lives, but we made it work. <laughs> Put it together, <laughs> sent it to him. He greenlit, I'd say, 90% of the events and things we wanted to do and put us in a situation to have our events on a bigger level, on a bigger platform. He put us in a lot of power positions. And from there, we were able to take all the things that we've done with Remy Martin and been able to get sponsors through other people as well. So it, it built a big platform for us. We're more than just a clothing store. A lot of people will see us and be like, oh, you guys are a clothing line, like a clothing store. That's cool. I'm like, no, we actually make 90% of the clothes in our store. It's not just graphic t-shirts, which is fine, but we have actual cut and sew in there. We're making things in Canada. We're flying overseas, getting things done. We do, we work with Anders and our team, NST, it's a music label. We have that, like guys on my team, they do all the graphics for all that. We've, we're in so many different lanes. We do a lot of things. We've done pop-up shops in different countries. Like we do a lot of things. Right. It's almost like a clothing store, a clothing line, and we've got like an agency side of the business as well. Your skills and your strengths mm. when you're doing things, right? Like you do what you do. Now you're like, okay, cool. I'm really good at interviewing. I'm really good at speaking. Not only can I interview, I can also help people. Maybe you can train people how to how to speak or whatever. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you always find other things. You find your strengths. I'm like, okay, let's also pimp these things too. Let's make mm -hmm. money off of these things too as right. well. The website for the star is gfctoronto.com. Instagram is at Get Fresh Company. My personal Instagram is jbrjallo, J-A-L-L-O-H. You've been listening to the Make Your Mark podcast. You can visit our website and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at makeyourmark.ca. And please subscribe, rate, and review.